Your brain on social media is really not your brain at all. What if I told you we're all on crack? Okay, okay, it's not that bad, but it's pretty crazy up there. And by up there, I mean our brains, particularly when we're on social media. We speak to a neurologist to find out what is happening to our mind when we're scrolling through our feeds. Let's get inside your brain. Dr. Sarah Siavoshi, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Who are you? And what are you all about? So I am a neurologist. I practice at UCSD. Um, I see patients all day, every day that come to me with a wide variety of neurologic complaints. Um, One of the biggest things I see is traumatic brain injuries. Um, The reason I bring that up is because a lot of people that have hit their head come to me and tell me, I can't focus, I can't concentrate, I'm having an inability to stay on track with reading or thinking or or anything. They say, what can I do? What can I do to get back on track to be able to um, be able to retain information and um, and stay engaged in a conversation or on a topic. Um, and it's the same exact complaint that comes from people who have not hit their head and have um, come to different neurologists or psychiatrists, usually a psych- psychiatrist, but they come to me when they hit their head. Um, but psychiatrists have the same complaint uh, that pertains to the question of whether or not someone has ADHD, right? I can't focus. I can't concentrate. And so, I bring this up because it's so important in the uh, the problem that's, I think, kind of fraying our society uh, as a result of social media. So social media has a lot of positive aspects to it, of course, but one of the concerns that it has is that it's sort of just uh, inhibiting our ability to focus and, and concentrate and stay um, as, stay in tune with a certain topic, right, or really be able to learn and retain information. Um, So in short, that's kind of what I do, and that's a little blip about me. Josh, what you bring up that point is so – it hits home so much for so many of us because we have such a hard time differentiating between our online life and our real life and stepping away from online life or online interaction and moving into real life. And – I mean, I, for one, sometimes find myself, like, in limbo, like, I'm thinking about things going on on my phone, whether it is email or whether it is an app, and not thinking too much about what I'm actually doing or the moment that I'm actually in. People who, you know, might tell you I'm having a hard time focusing um, and staying on track, what do you what do you tell people? How are things we can do to – the tools we can do to get ourselves back on track? Well – I'm a firm believer in routine and schedule. So I myself have completely guilty of um, getting to the weekend and throwing out every part of my schedule that has kept me on track and focused, right? I don't wake up at the same time, and I'm changing that, which is helping. But if I find myself backtracking and not doing what I'm preaching, um, which is waking up way later on the weekends that I'm accustomed to on the weekdays, um eating things that I'm not eating, so I'm very regimented about my diet during the weekdays, um, staying away from refined sugars and carbs, which, by the way, we're going to talk about dopamine later on in addiction mm-hmm. patterns, social media. Sugar has uh, plays a lot of the same 
part in playing into our dopamine system and, and, and the reward system and, and addiction and getting us sidetracked and defocused. So when I find myself getting off track with my diet, waking up later, not exercising, I am totally off balance and I'm not able to focus. I'm, I'm just lost. It's like I've thrown every part of my, um, schedule out the door and I'm no longer a high functioning, uh, person. So the first thing I do is when someone comes and tells me I can't focus, I say, what's your, what's your schedule like? What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I try to, to, to kind of catch them in where they're falling off balance or off track. I've got a lot of people that um, are not working, not going to school, not really doing anything with purpose. And Mm -hmm. when they're not um, uh, engaged in um, in an ultimate goal, that's when I realize that they really, there's no sense of identity for them. There's no sense of, reward, which is where dopamine comes into play. So they find these other things to make themselves feel good temporarily about themselves, um, which are not sustainable and are not productive. And so, you know, we kind of talk about schedule and routine and exercise, diet, all of the above, which help people to um, maintain a healthy balance. I think what you said is so important about, you know, kind of like we go onto social media often so we can get a good feeling about ourselves. We can get that boost of confidence. Um, And you're saying kind of in a way, well, there are other things that you could do in your life to give you that sense of satisfaction. Is that what you're saying? Sure. Exactly. So that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. So, you know, before social media, there's, of course, other ways where people can uh, get these really um, unproductive boosts of dopamine in our brain. So since we're going to talk about dopamine, let me just define it for you. So, you know, dopamine is this neurotransmitter, okay? It's a chemical in our brain. It transmits nerve signals, and it is responsible, and it plays a huge role in pleasure and reward. So this life, right, the, the goodness and sweetness of this life comes from reward and positivity and the feeling of satisfaction. And dopamine plays a huge part in that. So if you are gaining your reward from exercise, you're gaining your reward from learning something and having the satisfaction of, I learned something, I'm using this in my life to further my knowledge, to help people, to help the world, that positive that's dopamine working in a positive way, right? Um, if you are not using dopamine that way and instead you're substituting it with eating really awful meals and uh, um, getting out of shape, you're, you're getting your dopamine surges from social media. So there's uh, been these studies that have shown that um, uh, – the amount of likes that we get on dopamine creates a derp- dopamine surge, sort of almost in the exact same um, uh, dopamine elevation as doing a, a, a line of cocaine would. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> the huge dopamine surge, that, that immediate gratification of people essentially telling us that they love us, that they like us giving us that positive feedback. Dopamine is incredibly powerful. So if you're replacing 
a positive dopamine surge with social media or with um, something that is actually having a deleterious negative effect on your health or life, that just overall is creating an unproductive person, an unproductive society. It's it's interesting that, you know, the people, I mean, this whole topic is just fascinating. The fact that a like or a comment or a new follower or that sort of stuff, or maybe even in, in a bulk, many likes or many comments or many new followers can give you the same type of feeling that cocaine would. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, do you feel like this is a public health issue at this point? I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question to ask, and I – you know, I, I can give my two cents about it, and we can uh, put in our theories about it, but I don't know that that's actually shown to be true, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a 13-year-old uh, – oh, my goodness, she's not 13 years old anymore. She's um, <laughs> 17. So I think she's just turning 18. She turned 18 today. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness, it's her birthday. Denise, um, <laughs> who, uh, who I I took – her to her first day of kindergarten. She's incredibly bright, okay? And now she's turning 18 today. Um, and this girl grew up in a social media age, right? So Facebook and Instagram is what these kids know. We grew, we, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up when I remember dial-up was just starting and um, I had to wait for the little AOL guy yep. to yeah, run across true. the street. Yeah. <laughs> So our, our age is totally different. These guys grew up with social media. And mm-hmm. she is, she just got accepted to every UC in the state. She's incredibly bright. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can with certainty say that it's a, it's a public health concern because yeah. we have yet to discover that. I don't know. Right. Um, what I do know is that it definitely changes the way our brains work. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think we have yet to see. It's really tough to make that judgment. Can you shed light on that a little bit? How does it change the way that our brains work in terms of, you know, let's say that um, we are, um, let's say like you're in a sad or a bad mood or you're a mom and you're posting something to Facebook and you're checking constantly to see who commented on your status and who liked it. And it does give you a little bit of a high. It makes you feel a little happy during your otherwise mundane day. Like what, what goes on there? How, how is that affecting our brain? Okay. So I'm just going to sort of get nerdy for a second and reference a, a study that was done at UCLA just to provide some like scientific backing to what we're saying here. So there was a study done at UCLA. They took 32 teenagers. So this is good because it was it's pertaining to the population that we're talking about, teens, where their brains are not fully developed yet. Um, at least their judgment, is, their, their brains are fully developed. Their, their judgment is not fully um, uh, sort of fine-tuned, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so they took 32 teenagers and they exposed them to different um, different positive images, and one of those images was a photo with many likes. Okay, so they mm-hmm. exposed them to other things that were kind of provocative as well that teenagers might be interested in, like alcohol or some sort of sexually provocative image, and they wanted to and they put them into an fMRI scanner. So an MRI is a really nice way of looking at the brain, and an fMRI is a way of looking at the functionality of the brain. So it's able to show which areas of our brains light up. It's really cool, very interesting. So they exposed them to these different images, and um, 
they saw that the nucleus accumbens, which is the area of reward circuitry that that um, uh, dopamine plays a huge part in, dopamine is responsible for this nucleus accumbens reward center circuit. Okay, so when they showed them an image of social media and of a lot of likes, their nucleus accumbens lit up to a, a greater uh, intensity than their brains lit up when they were exposed to alcohol or um, a sexually provocative image or even a photo of their family, right? Which you would think, you know, nice, sweet. Their, their brains lit up far um, brighter when they were exposed to an image of that immediate gratification that Instagram or Facebook provides. Instagram now. Facebook is kind of, you know, a little bit for the older, the older crowd. But um, uh, it, it was just very interesting in that that part of your brain um, is the exact same part of your brain that also lights up when you're on LSD. So it's, it's a huge um, dopamine surge that creates addiction and um, is responsible for this sort of immediate gratification. They call it the dopamine loop. There's been different social media founders that call it the dopamine loop and, you know, now come out, they're the founding fathers of, of Facebook that come out and say that we're taking advantage of desperately insecure people and exposing them to this addiction circuit to where, you know, you're kind of insecure, you go on social media, you um, get instant gratification either from uh people liking your photos, or even from just looking at photos that you like, because you get to scroll through really fast. You're in control. You like these photos, dopamine surge, you scroll right to the next dopamine surge, and mm-hmm. these little bursts of dopamine constantly, constantly dopamine um, uh, sort of sprouting in your brain, sort of just surging in your brain, giving you that rush and that addiction. So that's one way in which it affects your brain. Another way is this idea um, that social interaction, so if I'm talking to you in person, face-to-face, I'm looking at you, I'm getting a a sort of a feel of how your facial expression is, how your body posture is, what the tone of your voice is, um, how uh, how you move your hands. So all of these things are really important for us to engage with someone Mm -hmm. when you don't have those aspects. And those are all right side brain um, features. So your right side of your brain is responsible for the emotional aspect of conversation, the tone of the person's voice, the, the way in which they're interacting, the way in which their body moves. On social media, you don't get to look at the person's physical um, uh, display of inter- of conversation. It's all very left-sided, actually. It's very cl- cut and dry. It's the content, and it's the snapshot of that person's um, uh, face, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's, of course, more clicks coming into social media, but it's still not a face-to-face interaction. So social media is actually a more left-sided brain interaction. So the less we use one side of our brain, the other side gets stronger. So that that hmm. tells us that possibly, the, the theory is that possibly 
our left side of our brains are going to get stronger and our right side, our right side that's responsible for the communication, those little fine details of how we respond or how we communicate with people might be downplayed and might not be needed as much. So our brains over time may not know how to deal with that face-to-face interaction because that's just not what we're exposed to as much anymore. That sounds like there's there's so much that we can go into just into that segment alone. Um, would you say that that's kind of the biggest thing that you see happening to our brains? I mean, when we talk about the the constant rush and the dopamine loop and just having that that constant rush of dopamine so frequently, so um, so strong throughout the day. Um, is that what you see kind of one of the biggest things that will happen to our brains is that one side is going to get stronger than the other? Is there anything else that, that's happening to yeah, our brains I mean, when again, we do that? that's a theory, right? That's a that's theory. A theory. I, I, that, that's, that's, we do see this lighting up on these fMRIs. Um, it does seem as though our brain is changing in that way. Uh, the, the question is, is, that, is, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Is don't is know. dopamine is too much dopamine a bad thing? Uh, yeah. So it is. just like cocaine or just like LSD, the more um, the more you do it, the more you need it, uh-huh. right? So yeah. when you do cocaine, there's a surge of dopamine, and then your brain gets used to that, and you need more and more and more. But that's what addiction is. Wow. So that's what social media is. The more we're on social media, the more dopamine is, is um, released, and the mm-hmm. more we need it, that's why we keep on going on it. I'm waking that. up in the morning sometimes and tempted to look at my social media. Right. I've had to say, I've had to consciously make an effort to say, do not do that. That is unhealthy. The first thing you look at in the morning should not be social media, and it should not be the last thing you look at before you go to sleep. So, I mean, I love that advice, but I mean, I want to know what the opposite feeling is. So if we're getting the feeling of dopamine when we get, when we're on and we're looking at these pictures, whether, whether we um, are getting the likes and comments ourselves or whether we're looking at pictures that we like to see, um, what if you're, you go onto social media and you see, you know, your ex having a fantastic time and that there's an emotion associated with that? Or what if you go to check how many followers you have and you lost a few? Or your picture's not doing as well as you thought it was. There's obviously negative emotions attached to that, right? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. That's why there is also the thought that dopamine, or that uh, social media is sort of uh, is sort of uh, really deteriorating our sense of self and our self confidence, right? Because mm-hmm. we're only seeing the good moments. We're only seeing the good times that people have. It doesn't change the fact that we're still addicted. You can go on social media Mm -hmm. and see a a huge, and and I've had friends like this. So, you know, have you ever gone through, I don't don't know, a a bad breakup? I'm sure all of us have, or Mm -hmm. at least had something go wrong in a relationship and you go on and you're kind of social media stalking that person and you realize at that moment, you have a choice to make. That choice is it's either really unhealthy let me completely block that person, get them out of my, my, my field of view, or let me keep on stalking them and perpetuate a very unhealthy habit that's going to, to further um, ruin my self-confidence and further, further make me seek out little, um, little bumps of positivity that I'm 
may find on social media. Let's make it an addiction now to where even though I'm getting more negative out of it, I may at some point get something positive. So I'm going to keep on going on until I do see something that I like on right. Instagram, until I do get something positive out of it that just makes the problem that much worse. That's that's unbelievable that um, this just it's just you know, so much to take in. And I'm sure that there's, you know, um, so much that can be discussed in this, which brings me to, you know, what do we do? You know, what do we do? How do we educate ourselves? Do we, do we inform ourselves that this is curated content, that this is controlled content, that you have to be wiser and wise up to the way that social media is presented to us? Do we acknowledge dopamine and teach people about that and help them replace, you know, that that rush with something else? I mean, what do you think we should do? Uh, I think that setting um, boundaries is really important. Um, so sort of remembering that you are responsible for your own actions, right? Um, you can make social media a very positive experience, a positive thing, which is what you guys are doing. Podcasting is an example of that, right? You're using social media to uh, to educate people, to enlighten people. Mm-hmm. You can use it for positive things, and if you're doing that wonderful, that then becomes a job. You do it for a certain amount of hours, mm-hmm. um, and then you go home to your family. You, you, you resume your normal activities. You exercise. You go grocery shopping. You cook food. You eat. You do all the things that you um, do to sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you work out you a balance, have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if, if, if you have no boundaries and you're checking social media every five minutes, uh, that's, that's when it's a problem. And it's, it's easier said than done because I still find myself doing it on certain days. Mm-hmm. And creates a very, very negative and um, insecure place for all of us to be, and we've all been there, but you've got to set your boundaries. This time of the day is when I'm going to go check out social media, check out the things I'm interested in, and uh, and that's it. Sometimes people need a detox. I've, I've done this before where, you know, Instagram is great where if you delete the app, you don't, um, you don't delete all your content. You delete the app for a while on your phone. You don't have to look at it. You detox and then you go back with, um, a a limited, um, uh, desire to be on social media, right? So delete it for a while, get off of it, find other things that create dopamine rushes in your life Mm -hmm. that are interesting to you. Then go back and use social media for just a limited amount of time. Right. That would be my advice. Right. Be in a healthy relationship with it. Control it. Don't let it control you and use it, yeah. you know, for the many different goods that are part of it. And sometimes, you know, it's okay to indulge in a, in a little bit of, you know, mindless scrolling and mindlessness. I think that, you know, it is our new normal. So it's hard for us to say, don't use it or don't do this. And that's really exactly. not not our mission, right? Our mission is about, you know, just the kind of conversation that we're having with you and the information that you're giving us. How can we better manage, make the relationship a healthy one? You know, since yeah. it's since it's such a huge part of our life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there, there are also th- this is a problem, by the way, within the tech uh, community that's being brought to light. 
um, you asked about this being a public health issue. Mm-hmm. And I think the tech companies are becoming more responsible. So um, just to give you a sense of this, there are algorithms that they use. Um, and this is sort of like a thing that's sort of more hush-hush within the tech community. There's algorithms that they use to hide the amount of likes that you get in a certain amount of time to make you think you haven't gotten as many so that you keep on going on to check how many likes you've actually gotten. It's a trick that they're playing with us. Yeah, so this is is a thing that's sort of known within the tech community that Instagram does is they don't immediately show you how many likes you've gotten until they, they give it to you a little bit at a time so you keep on going on so we also kind of you know there there's so much that we can do but we also need to be making this more um uh, of uh, brought to light in the public so that social media founders and um uh engineers become more responsible and right sort of they're the ones that are creating these algorithms. Right. They, they are the people who can be responsible for bringing us back to having a more healthy relationship with the internet. Right. They have to have some sort of moral standards that they abide by, understand what's happening to people, what's happening to our brains. And also as users, we need to stay woke. We need to go out there and read these articles. We need to know what goes into these algorithms. No excuses, right? I mean, the information is easy to get a hold of. It's easy to find out. You know, keep yourself informed and lightened on what's going on with your usage what this is doing to you you know stay woke in that sense um you know i know like 2018 is called the social media awakening um because of that reason because so many people are stepping back more than ever before i think and saying wait a minute what's going on is this good for me and i think especially our generation we have the ability to look back and give that perspective and say i remember not needing this what's going on with me now um, the younger generation, like your niece and my nieces, they were born right into it. So we have to, as adults and as people who can look back with the perspective, I think guide them as well into that. But definitely, you know, you're so right. We need to stay woke on this whole topic and these algorithms and everything that's going on with um, the way that these apps are created and the the type of um, the type of uh, tricks and games and different things exactly. that they put in to keep us in there and yeah. keep us addicted, right? Love it. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, definitely. Well said. Thank you so much. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. Um, so tell us how people can follow you and keep up with you so that they can, you know, any information that you have to share about these topics, they can stay informed. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my Instagram handle is, uh, so get ready for this, it's not, the, uh, it's not an easy name. Yes. So, yeah, so my Instagram handle is Dr. Sarah, S-A-R-A, Sia Voshi. So that's Dia, S-I-A, Voshi, V, like Victor, O-S-H-I. Um, and I've got some things uh, pertaining to neurologic issues. And a lot also pertaining to headaches. I do a lot of migraine treatment and headache management. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's a different neurologic uh, little pearls that you can find, little jewels that you can find on my Instagram. Dr. Siavoshi, before we wrap up, just tell us why did you want to become a neurologist and choose this field? Oh, good question. So <laughs> I um, <laughs> so I have been very interested in psychology and just the, the way that the brain works, the way that society functions. Um, I think that 
every, uh, not every, there's some lucky few doctors that were just cool all their lives, but a lot of doctors uh, grew up dirty and sort of feeling the, the, um, the pressure of, um, popularity in junior high and sixth grade is when it all sets in. And I found myself really just looking at, at the society and the social hierarchy that comes with that. And always just being very curious about people and about the way the people function and, and the way that, um, um, bullies work. And so that just made me curious about the mind, about the brain. Right. Yeah. And, um, I really pondered becoming a psychiatrist, which I think is a fascinating, fascinating field. Um, but I also loved internal medicine and looking at blood work and looking at lab work and looking at MRIs. So I uh, found neurology to be a wonderful hybrid of, of looking at the brain, but looking at it from um, a more sort of uh, a different way than psychiatry looks at the brain. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's why. And, you know, I'm, I'm from Persian descent. <laughs> yes. So uh, Persians always are telling their, their kids got to be a doctor, got to be a lawyer. I'm sure that, that played some role. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm for sure going to tell my, my kids that they can be whatever they want. You want to be a dancer. You want to be an artist. Go for it. Um, in it. retrospect, I am, I'm so happy that I did become a doctor. I love this. I questioned it a million times when I was going through school and I was like, why did I do this? This is terrible. Um, but I am so happy that I did it now and it's something that I find such, um, a great satisfaction from just helping people every day. It's a wonderful field. Well, that's an absolute blessing to be able to say that about what you do. I'm so happy that you chose this field because you are now enlightening us and helping us stay woke on this topic that is so pressing. Um, I absolutely enjoyed this conversation so much. If you want to talk about a dopamine rush, I think I have one right now. This information is just so (laughs) awesome. Um, So to all of our listeners, please subscribe, rate, and review. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Stay woke, everyone. Dr. Siavoshi, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. So nice talking to you. (laughs) 